0: This is uh, Mark chapter one verses twelve and thirteen. Um, just as a recap of the the verses prior to this, um, we know verse one: Jesus, King Jesus, in fact, has arrived. His kingdom is here, so he's on the scene. He has arrived, and, and that's good news um, in large part because it means that he's he that he's come to go through the judgment that we deserve and he of course is going to come out of that judgment on the other side having paid the price the price that we should have that we that we owed but he's not just going to have paid the price he sort of uh settled the bill if you will but he's actually going to be victorious over death hell and the grave thank the lord for that and that was really what he what we see in verses 4 through 11. now in the middle of that we know john is telling us john the baptist he's telling us about jesus verses 7 and 8. And Jesus in verse 15, so just in a few verses, he's about to ask you or invite you to follow him. And while following after Jesus, and this is what John tells us to do, follow Jesus, what Jesus asks us to do. While we follow him, we're going to follow him to victory. Absolutely going to be the case. Um, It also means when you follow Jesus, you're going to follow him through some pretty dark and some pretty dangerous places. Um, that's the wilderness times that I think verses 12 and 13 are really about. I do want to notice, and I think this is, since we're really trying to study the passage here, I want to acknowledge this and maybe you, you can study this out on your own a little bit, but uh, notice there are some direct parallels to the exodus that Israel, uh, when they were in Egypt and they were leaving Egypt. So the exodus that Israel had over in the book of Exodus. So there's parallels between what Jesus is doing and what happened with Israel. So Jesus is coming out of the wilderness. So in verse four and verse nine, you see that he's coming out of the wilderness and that's what Israel did. They came out into the wilderness. And then verse nine, Jesus is passing through the waters of judgment. This is what Israel does. They, they go through the waters. They, they're going through those waters that ultimately do judge uh, Pharaoh's armies, but they are, uh, they are passing through those. And they are visibly blessed by God, just as Jesus does. In verses ten and eleven, Jesus is visibly blessed by God. You've the Spirit coming down. You've got God the Father saying, "This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased." So there's a lot of parallels here, and I don't think that's accidental at all. I don't think that. I don't think I'm reading anything into Mark's account. I believe that Mark is purposefully uh, hearkening back to what happened with Israel and the victory that they had because God provided it to them. And I believe he's He's purposely doing that just to show us that Jesus is, if I can say it this way, the the, the greater Israel. He is the one who fulfills all of those promises to Israel. He is uh, the greater Israel, essentially. But that parallels not over with just those first 11 verses. Now, verse 12, uh, in fact, let's read that in verse 12. It says, now, this is right after his um, uh, baptism. In verse eleven, verse twelve, it says, "And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness." Uh, that word "immediately," yes, it means immediately. So it's, there's a there's a there's a speed, a, a connection between those two. So one thing happens, and then the next. There's that. There's also, uh, I think, Mark uses that phrase a lot. All, that that word "immediately" a lot. Also, just to give us the the reality of it, the veracity of it, to say. Uh, really this happened. This is what happened next. And then just to keep, tell us this is an actual story, obviously to keep the story moving, but also to give us the reality of it as well. But he says there that he's out in the, it says um, immediately drives him, the spirit drives him into the wilderness. So here's Jesus. He's out in the wilderness. You'll see in verse 13, he is there 40 days tempted of Satan. Of course, Israel was out in the wilderness for 40 years. So again, I don't think that's an accidental parallel at all. And just like Israel was tempted, if you remember in the, in the, in the wilderness, there was all kinds of tests that came at them, uh, all kinds of uh, ways that they were prompted and promoted and pushed to, 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 um, to, to, to rely on the Lord. And here we have, if you go to verse 13, Jesus is in the wilderness 40 days and he's tempted of Satan. It was with the wild beast and the angels ministered unto him. So in the same way that Israel was out there for 40 years, Jesus is out there for 40 days. And so you have him out in the wilderness, passing through the waters of judgment, out into this wilderness again and being tempted. But again, what's amazing, what's different is he passes the test. Now, one of the verses, and I'm going to put it up here for you so you can see it. Uh, one of the verses that I want to reference here is in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, this was referencing the Israelites in coming out of Egypt in the desert. It says, with whom was he, speaking of God, was he grieved for 40 years? Was it not them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Now, I reference that simply to tell you, Israel, let's be very careful here. I don't want to pick on Israel because uh, as, as a nation, they're human beings, just like the like you and I and like I am at the very least. and I know that I fail and I fail and I fail and I fail. That's what happened with Israel. They were tested and they did not pass the test. And if you know the story of children of Israel, there was a million, some odd people that came out of Egypt, go into the promised land, towards the promised land. And none of that first generation, save two people, uh, 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 Joshua and Caleb, they were the only ones who went into the promised land. Every other one that first generation died and it was their children and grandchildren and so forth that went into that promised land. That's what, that's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about there in verse 17 of chapter three. So I'm telling you that to say, Israel didn't pass the test. Israel didn't make it through on their own. They obviously, God had to, God had to uh, uh, bring them through. Yes. But also that first generation didn't even make it through. And that was because they did not, they sinned, essentially, they did not uh, pass the test. On the other hand, let me show you this other verse. We have one who has passed the test. His name is Jesus. It says here, this is in Hebrews chapter four and verse 15. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus went through everything that any human being he's he's that's what the verse is essentially saying he's felt every sorrow and pain and every aspect of temptation that you and I would feel yet he did so without any sin he passed the test he he went through the darkest of dark and he passed the test I, I, I just want to tell you, I'll never pass the test. I can't. I am not capable of passing the test. But Jesus did, and he did it for me. So if I'm following Jesus, and here's the here's the, the point I want to get to. I want to give you this a couple of thoughts here from this passage. If we're following Jesus for that ultimate victory, and, and I believe that we'll have an ultimate victory. What do I mean by an ultimate victory? If you're following Jesus, as he's your hope for the future, your hope of heaven, that there will come a day in the not I don't know how far into the future, but in the future that he will bring us into his presence and we will live eternally in heaven with him. There will be no sin, no sorrow, no sickness, no pain, no suffering. Everything that is wrong in this world will be made right and will be in his presence. That's that ultimate victory. We get that if we follow Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I ain't there right now. So if I'm going to follow him to ultimate victory, I'm going to have to also follow him through that wilderness, the wilderness that we live in now of despair, of temptation, of trial. That's what I have to follow him through. And that means following Jesus, like just going right behind him. And look at what he does here in verse 12. Go again to verse 12. Immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. So that means I need to obey the Spirit's leading, the Holy Spirit's leading, no matter what the circumstances are. I mean, here's Jesus having just come off of a of a spiritual high, if you will. He's he's out of a he's coming out of a circumstance that is, you know, a lot of people are watching this. Here's God the Father speaking, the Spirit coming down like a dove, and and then the Holy Spirit is essentially saying, "Okay, it's time to go out into the wilderness." Now, please understand this about Jesus. First of all, I want to make sure this is clear to everybody listening. Jesus is God. He is God, just like the Holy Spirit is God, just like the Father is God. So he is equal in every part and power that God is. He is God. I believe in the Trinity, three persons, one God. So I believe in that. It's a long, deep subject, clearly, that we could talk about another day. But just know that I believe he's God. Yet, when, he's all, when he is operating on this earth, and you'll see it throughout the Gospels, he is what is we would call walking in the Spirit. He is <clears throat> constantly in obedience to the Father's will. He is doing what God wants him to do, the Father and the Spirit wants him to do. And as a result, it says there, he is driven, or the Spirit driveth him. He is driven. Now, driven does not mean that he is forced. Does not mean that. It does mean he's compelled. That there's a there's a some, something driving him inside. Just just like if um, maybe if you know someone who's driven in what they do, they're driven to do a good job. Maybe you have a business and you're driven to succeed. Nobody's making you do that, but there's something inside of you that just says I want to do that. I want to do that very well. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's willingly obeying. Even when, in this case here, it's putting him in danger. And if you know the temptation of Christ and the other Gospels, some of the other Gospels give it a little more detail than Mark does. But he's putting himself in danger by doing this, but he does so even though he knows that that's a dangerous thing, but it's what God wants him to do. And in this way, he's a, he's a model for Christians, Mark is writing to the early Christians and also to the, us today, but that first audience is the early Christians who are in Rome under persecution, they would be ridiculed, they'd be ostracized, they'd be hurt, some would be tortured, some would be killed simply for obeying the, the Holy Spirit's direction by obeying God's word. And it was a reminder, this 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 story of Jesus who's driven into the wilderness by the Spirit and Jesus, willingly is obeying he it's a reminder to the christian that says you can go where the spirit leads no matter what the consequence is because the savior went there and he succeeded as a result. we're following in there best example i can give you of this is uh, my uh, brother-in-law um, his name is david and he was in the, the marine corps um, and, uh, really, I, I don't know all of what he did uh, as a lot of these guys, as you know, some of you that are, have been in the military and some of the, some of the fighting that not, they don't really like talk a lot about it. And I understand that, appreciate that. But I do know, uh, he got dropped into as, as a Marine into some of the hot spots, uh, in the 1990s, um, some places that really nobody else wanted to go and they knew they could put the Marines in there and they would, uh, they would take care of it now i'm not trying to debate the policies and the politics of that era and all that i'm not at all but i am telling you that these men were were properly trained put in the position in some cases against a lot of odds and let me tell you those guys when those calls were when those calls were made they answered the call they answered the call and i'm thankful that they did that but i want you to know they got surefire results in the same way it's not always easy for you as a believer that you're going to be asked by god to do some things But he can be trusted. And Jesus shows us by his example that you might be put in a tough spot, but God's commands will, they're to be obeyed. And if we follow after him, he will take care of the results. That may mean financially trusting God. He's commanding us to be generous givers. Vocationally, God abhors us doing things for filthy lucre's sake to use the king james language he forbids us to do it with eye service as men pleasers but he says instead of doing it for money instead of doing it for trying to please people do it for the lord that's the kind of work that we ought to be doing with our family he says we ought to Uh, have genuine love for our families, endure without endorsing their sin, endure whatever comes out our way. These are are the kinds of things that we're going to be asked to do as Christians if we'll obey the spirit. But when we follow Jesus, we'll be able to overcome in those wilderness sort of hard spots, those hard places. But apart from him, I'll tell you, it's going to overwhelm you. It absolutely will overwhelm you. It will overwhelm you. Now, Second thing I want to show you here in verse thirteen, it says there that he was in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the with the wild beasts. Now, when Jesus obeyed the spirit's direction here, he was in danger. You've got the you've got the wild beast in this this wilderness, in in this this uh, dry and it's probably a little bit hot. This terrain that's just not really uh, not really uh, ready to sustain life. I mean, there's no resources. There's no lifeline. There's no hope. He's out. He's out there, uh, just really out there. And he was in danger. And in this way, it is a picture of the world that we live in. The world that we live in, it's not hospitable. It's not hospitable to the Christian way of way of living it's this world is not our home the the song says we're just a passing through and it's a good thing because we weren't made for the world as it as it is right now it is a dangerous place without resources without hope without without help but jesus he's passing through this he's also as you know from the other accounts of the of the uh the temptations he's hungry he's not eating during this time so he's hungry he's exposed to the elements he's tired In this way his flesh is giving way and then of course as you see there the satan is the satan is tempting him the devil pulls out all the stops and tries to attack him and 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 this is this is what we will endure in the wilderness the world the flesh and the devil james talks about this the world the flesh and the devil the the world's out is, is not a place that's going to be friendly to following jesus Your flesh is going to fail you, and the devil, he's going to find every which way to attack you. That's exactly what Jesus went through. And Jesus is there for a very long time, 40 days, uh, but it's a very long time that he's going through that, and he's enduring all the way through this. Again, I think this is a a picture to those early Christians to whom this was written, that um, they would be in the wilderness that the world would oppose them, the flesh would, af- would fail them, that the devil would attack them. But they have a savior who endured, who knows what they're going through and is going to give them everything that they need to be able to endure. Now, that verse that I have on there, the, the screen there, it says that he was touched with our infirmities. He knows what we're dealing with. Could you go to the next verse here? That's that's Hebrews 4, verse 15. But Hebrews 4, verse 16 says, because he knows what we've dealt with, because he's, he's, he's been there, because he understands that he knows our trouble. So therefore, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help or gr- find grace to help in the time of need. So because he knows those things, because he's endured that, because he's went through the world, the flesh and the devil, he's dealt with all of those, those temptation, those, those trials. It's going to overwhelm us. So let's lean on him. Let's endure the temptation by leaning on him in faith. The Bible tells me in second Timothy, in fact, I'll put that on the screen here uh, that all who suffer, um, All who live godly, rather, shall suffer persecution. This is in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. So it's going to be tempting uh, to pursue a life of ease, a life without pain. But if we are to follow Jesus, the Bible's practically promised us that there's going to be difficulty that comes. But instead of going after those things that the devil dangles in front of us, which he does often, it definitely does it to me. I, I can imagine he may do it to you as well. Instead of pursuing those things, the command here is follow Jesus, endure. Trust him. Trust Jesus. He knows what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're dealing with. Hold on to him. This this world is fading. If you try to hold on to the things around you, they will fail you. And you definitely try to hold on to your own flesh. Oh my goodness, you will fail yourself. But don't despair. There is a God who is in control. There's a God who will redeem All of your suffering, all of your pain, all of your loss, all of your rejection. In fact, it's promised in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. If you go study those verses, I put that passage on the screen there, or at least a reference to it on the screen there, that God is going to redeem that. So whatever you're going through, whatever you will go through, whatever you have gone through, instead of sitting there saying, well, that's it, I'm done, let's give up now. The point is to endure and lean on Christ knowing he will redeem it. So we continue to follow him. Now, lastly, I want you to see this last little phrase here in verse 13. After it's all over with, and again, if you go back to some of the other Gospels, you'll see a little more detail here, but Mark summarizes it nicely. He says, and the angels ministered unto him. So after the end of the 40 days, The temptation, Jesus passes all those tests. He is because he is fully God, but he is fully man. So he is without sin, but man, is he tired. Man, is he worn out. And so he needs some help there. After Jesus has endured some pretty tough testing, there's angels that come to minister him. Now listen to this. Angels, I I believe that these were actual angels. These are what you think of as angels, seraphim and uh, those kind of things. I I think that's what was in mind here, but don't miss what what, what really I think the, the, the point of this is that where do these angels come from? These are messengers from God, messengers from God. And it says there that these angels ministered unto him. That word minister is the same verb, it's the verb form rather the same word, but the verb form that we use today in the Baptist churches and other, other churches as well. But the Baptist, we, we, we got our deacons, right? And those deacons, they have tasks that they do. They're to serve the church. That is these angels are deaconing to Jesus. They're serving him. They're helping him. They're meeting his needs. So what God has done, the father has done is sent messengers To Jesus. And again, I believe these are actual angels. So I'm not trying to diminish that these are angels, but I just want you to get the picture in your mind that he's sending messengers to Jesus to serve him to meet his needs. Now, that means if we're going to follow Jesus. Not only, not only are we going to have to obey the spirit and kind of go to some dangerous places and do some things that uh, kind of scare us and maybe maybe makes us not want to do it because we know the consequences. Not only are we going to have to endure some very difficult circumstances and hold on to Jesus all the way through it, but that means that um, we're going to have to let him serve us, serve us through the messengers that he sends to us. I know of uh, three women, uh, I won't name their names. Uh, you may not, you probably wouldn't know them if I named them. They're three women that I know, they don't have a whole lot in common necessarily. They might have more in common than I recognize, but on the surface, they don't have a whole lot in common, but they do have one thing, and it's a very important thing. These three women have all lost a child uh, that was, uh, you know, uh, before that child was fully an adult, or maybe as an early, uh, a young adult rather, They lost a child in some very terrible circumstances. Now, each of those women were able to help each other in some very unique ways, ways that I could never have helped them because I have not lost a child in ways that I couldn't help them because I'm a man. they're they're all women. It was it was that God had brought them together to encourage each other and support each other. Did it fix the problem? No, but I, it was a their their relationship, their friendship allowed them to have some comfort, some peace, some way to be served. And I believe that's exactly what God does for us is He brings us to through some circumstances so that we then can be brought to certain people to be helps to them and vice versa, that other people have gone through some things, and they can come alongside of us and help us. And I think that while we, we need to follow Jesus into danger, but we also need to follow him into the comfort that he provides as well. God's God has provided messengers. I mean, sometimes I think the Bible, the Bible talks about that we, that we uh, entertain angels unaware, so I think sometimes they could actually be legitimate angels. But a lot of times they're just messengers from God that God is using and instead of looking to the world and all the things that's offered out there to soothe and comfort ourselves we've got some messengers from God that we could lean on just just a couple that I'll mention to you we've got the word of God itself we've got the scripture if you would actually open up this book sometimes when you're when you're feeling distressed there's a comfort here that you can't get anywhere else you've got the Holy Spirit. He's inside of you all of the time. He walks with you. He dwells with you, the Bible says in First John. He dwells with you. He is with you in every circumstance. And don't miss the godly counselors and the, the friends that are around you. We often hear it quoted in um um Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 25 that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is and, and that's a we also he often hear that as a kind of a, a rebuke you need to go to church more often and you probably do you if you're missing a lot of church you should probably go uh, if you're not not able to make it i understand but if you just don't have a good excuse you should get to church but It's not just about get to church so you can sit on that pew and your number be counted. The the end of that verse is the important part. It says there, but exhorting one another. When you come together, you're exhorting one another. You're lifting each other up. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. He says there that, We need to come together to the church assembly so that we can be comforting to one another, that we can help each other. You're going to hear messengers in the pulpit. You're going to have messengers in the pew, and they're all there to soothe your spiritual wounds. And I would dare say that there is often, I've had it happen myself, where even some of your physical needs can be met in the local assembly. This is the kind of messengers that God sends our way. Now, if Jesus goes with you, you know you can make it through. And um, if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to want to follow where he leads. So you're going to be th- going through inevitable. It's inevitable. You're going to go through the wildernesses of life. So make sure that you're following the footsteps of Jesus. Obey where the Spirit leads. Yes, you're going to have temptation, but endure that those trials, those temptations by leaning on Jesus. You know if you'll do that, your victory is assured in him. And then look to God for help. He's going to send messengers. He's going to send those people to help you. Maybe it's angels. Maybe it's a a brother or sister. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. But it might be somebody in your church. But but don't lean on your own wisdom. Don't, Don't hope in anything else in this world. God has got something ready for you. So follow the king anywhere and everywhere he goes. All right, that'll close the the lesson for tonight. But let me just give you a hint towards next week. Uh, Next week, uh, we'll be back on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. And I'll be in Mark chapter 1 still. We'll pick up in verse 14. Uh, The next passage goes down to verse 20. And um, this is where Jesus is calling his disciples. And the question then becomes, as we study through this, is how are they going to respond? A couple of things to think about as you read it. Uh, Do you think that they understand what Jesus was calling them to? Uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you. I don't know if they fully understood it, but I don't think that was a requirement. But you'll read it. Come to your own conclusion. Um, He chose fishermen. Is there significance there? I think there is. Uh, Can you make the connection between him calling them to to be fishers of men and the fact that Jesus, in verses 4 to 11, he's passing through the waters of judgment? I think there's a connection. So that, that symbol symbol of, of the judgment of God in the water. And then put yourself in the shoes of James and John and Andrew and Peter. If you read through verses 14 through 20, put yourself there. Here's Jesus walking down the beach and he says, follow me. Leave what you got behind you. You follow me. Think about that. Would you Would you follow after Jesus? We'll look into that next week and I look forward to studying that with you. I hope you'll have a, take the chance to read it. And uh, y'all have a great Thanksgiving. I hope you do. Uh, look, look forward to maybe seeing some of y'all or hearing from you. But I definitely want you to have a great Thanksgiving if we're not able to talk. You take care now. Goodbye.